0: Father, we thank you for that incredible truth. We believe it. We receive it. And we want to live in a way that says it's absolutely true. That every single day, you own it. Every single day, you're in the middle of it. Every single day, you have a hold of our lives, and you will not let go. And every single day, we live to serve you. We live to glorify you. We live to not just believe but to behave in a way that brings honor, praise, and glory to your name. Because we know, we know everything you did for us. We know everything you endured for us. We know every dream you still have over our lives. And so we pray today, just come into this room, infuse us with not only that strength of faith, but that dedication of behavior. Help us to be the very people that you claim in Jesus Christ. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Go and have a seat this morning. God was right.
1: He told me his plans and I was in awe. I couldn't wait to tell the people they had nothing to worry about. God's in control. I just have to help them see it. Good morning. So we are wrapping up our sermon series on Habakkuk, and uh, Habakkuk is a small book. It's 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 a minor prophet, is what it's called. It's only how who knows how many how many chapters long is it? Three. It's only three chapters long, so it means it's really hard to find because it's so small. But it's in the back of the Old Testament, and if you bring out your Bibles and you find it, you're going to beat me. I'm about to give up. Yeah. Well, it's there. Okay. So, if you've got your Bible, bring it out, though, and you can walk along with it. Uh, Otherwise, you can watch the screen. Today, we are going to be diving in once more and looking at this book, looking at this prophet, this man of God, who God spoke a powerful word through uh, in in his time and in his day. And he did it in such a way. I mean, he he preached such a powerful word, and he did it in only three chapters, which is pretty impressive, let me tell you, from a preacher's point of perspective. So, uh, we started, though... We started two weeks ago, and we looked at what Habakkuk was naming in his realities of his world. He was looking at his world, and he was describing his world. And so we saw that Habakkuk was naming the broken realities of our world, those, those being violence, injustice, poverty, misery, right? All this real dark stuff, and saying that this is part of our world. This is the condition of of our world that was what Habakkuk was saying and boy did it seem like there were some parallels to today yeah I think so right we looked at the news and we looked at you know that there is still violence there is still injustice there is still poverty in our world today and yet Habakkuk received and prophesied a promise of God's future God's promised future And so that was the beginning of our study, is that though there is a broken reality, God promises a future where there will be wholeness and healing and hope, right? And so that was our first week. But last week we said, you know what, we are are stuck in this really awkward spot. We're caught waiting. We are are caught between the brokenness of the present and the promise of, of God's future. But by nature, because it's future, means it's not in the present, right? So we've got to figure out how to live as we wait for God's future. And when we do that, there's a real tension. We're kind of pulled in different directions. Particularly, the present is really heavy with despair, right? That's, that's the fear. That's the temptation to be swallowed up to look at our world and be swallowed up and say there's no hope. There's, it's just too broken. This isn't going to go anywhere. And to be swallowed up by despair. Or, or we can respond by grabbing a hold of God. His hand, His promise, His person. And holding on to God with everything that we've got. Almost in defiance to despair. And saying despair you can't have me. My God and my, my God's future has got a hold of me, and that's what we do in this waiting time. In the midst of all this, we, we actually traveled through all three chapters. We traveled through all three chapters. But I wanted to return to one particular verse. Verse. That we almost read past. It was was powerful in the moment. But I want to return to it and unpack it further. Because I really believe there's a whole lot more to be said about this one particular verse. It's in chapter 2, verse 4. It's a really profound theological statement. Here it is, chapter 2, verse 4. This is God speaking. He says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. Their lives are messed up. Their lives are, right? But... But the righteous will live by... Does anyone remember how it finishes? Faith, faithfulness, right? The righteous will live by... Here's the Hebrew word. Hemunwa. Hemunwa. I used to know how to say that. I can't say it anymore. But what it means is faith and faithfulness. In Hebrew the word can be translated as either the righteous will live by faith or the righteous will live by faithfulness. And that's actually fascinating. I think Habakkuk knew what he was doing here. By using this particular word, Habakkuk is capturing that, 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 that the righteous will live by faith, that, that, that life in its fullest and most, life that can be lived to the best that it can be is, is done with faith, according to faith, and yet it can also be translated as according to faithfulness. Now, in our English language, our English language would almost differentiate between faith and faithfulness, right? When we think about it, the righteous will live by faith tends to stress or emphasize belief what you believe, right? That you are made right with God, that you, you, you enter into to the fullness of what God desires for you through belief. And yet our English language would also translate this as the righteous will live by faithfulness to God. Faithfulness living in such a way that honors Him and glorifies Him and points to Him, right? And so this is a fascinating statement. The righteous will live by faith and the righteous will live by faithfulness. Now, it's important that we understand Habakkuk's context, Habakkuk's day. You need, to, you need to know. In Habakkuk's day, the reason this is such a powerful statement is because he is surrounded by people who either don't believe or don't behave. He's surrounded by Jews who in the north have just said, we're done with this whole Yahweh thing we're going to take a different God thanks. So, goodbye to Yahweh, goodbye to God. We're going to start worshiping the Assyrian gods from a different empire. And so the northern part of Israel, the Jews there no longer believe in Yahweh. They no longer believe in God. They no longer have this ongoing relationship with the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly God, who is promised to be in relationship with, they are no longer believing In God, that's the northern kingdom. And Habakkuk's looking in that and saying, Oh my goodness, what are you doing? What are you thinking? The righteous will live. Life will truly begin to happen. Life is going to be at its best when you live in relationship and in faith, in belief with God, with Yahweh. And so he's making a commentary on the northern part of Israel. Now he is also potentially making a commentary on the southern part of Israel, which is where he lives. He lives in the south, okay? He goes to where it's warmer, all right? He goes to the south and he lives in the south and the southern kingdom, the southern part of Israel, they are all about Yahweh. They say yes to Yahweh, but they no longer follow God's laws and no longer behave according to what... God desires for them. They say, yeah, we'll worship Yahweh, but, but we, we, we are going to allow poverty and injustice, and we're going to allow violence to be a part of our world. God has strict rules against those things. They say, Psh, forget the rules. We are going to behave in such a way that, that no longer acknowledges God. And so Habakkuk comes along and he's looking at this and he's looking up north where the Jews no longer believe and he's looking at the south where the Jews no longer longer behave and he says, whoa, guys, the righteous will live by faith and faithfulness to God. The righteous will live by faith and faithfulness to God the way that i understand this the way that i that this resonates with me is this is the way that i help internalize it life is lived best life is at its fullest life is most complete and most whole when both belief and behavior are based on god life is lived best it doesn't mean that there are going to be trials. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be struggles. It doesn't mean that, there's going to be, that all the brokenness is fixed. No, we talked about that. But life is at its best when we both believe and behave according to and based on God. At Christ Church, we try to really intentionally, Pastor Bob and I are really committed to this principle of both belief and behave, because we, when we preach and teach, we want you to get that the, 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 the Christian walk, that the following Jesus has to do with believing in Him and walking and following Him with your behavior as well. Because too often in the Christian church, things get out of joint. Things, the scales tip. People begin to emphasize either belief or they emphasize behavior and they do so, so much so that the scales tip in an unhealthy direction. And life gets out of joint and out of balance and, and, it, and it begins to invite further destruction and pain and problems into your life. That's what happens. When you, don't, when you don't keep belief and behavior as part of this holistic understanding and you overemphasize one over the other, there, the, you are gonna be inviting the destruction and the pain that Habakkuk is seeing and witnessing into your own life. This happened even in the old, uh, uh, the old church. I mean, like, right after Jesus, this was a major problem where people began emphasizing one over the other. In, in the book of Galatians, it's another book in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, so it's, it's after Jesus, it's after Jesus, Holy cow. It's after Jesus, and in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to this church. And and, and he's writing to this church because in the church, some people have come along and said, Whoa, you can believe in Jesus, but you have to behave like a Jew. Because behavior is what counts. So, so, So start behaving like a Jew and go get circumcised. And Paul comes along to this and he's like, "What? No, not true, not real. This is this is this is getting out of balance with belief and behavior. It's overemphasizing our behavior and not recognizing that we are free in Jesus Christ." And guess who Paul quotes? Yeah, you know it's coming. Habakkuk. Galatians 3:11, he quotes Habakkuk, And he says, listen, church of Galatia, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Because life is at its best. Despite the struggles and such, life is still lived at its best. When you are in an intimate relationship with a loving and holy God, when you believe in Him and know Him as your God. Now, what's fascinating about this, he quotes Habakkuk there. What's fascinating about this is is, is just a few years later, he writes another letter to a church in Rome. It's called Romans. And guess what's going on there? The flip side. In Rome, there are these people who say, Hey, I'm a Christian now. I guess I can do whatever I want. Isn't that how it works? I'm forgiven. I'll just behave however I want
0: to behave.
1: And Paul comes along, and he says, Ah, oh, I thought I just dealt with this with the Galatians. But it's the, it's the reverse. He, he comes along, and he goes to Rome, and he quotes. Guess who he quotes? Yeah, Habakkuk. He quotes Habakkuk in Romans 1.17. And he says, look, Rome, the righteous will live by faithfulness to God. And, and that means your behavior is, is, is in accordance with and is based on an eternal God and his love for you. And then he spends two to three chapters ripping apart this argument. It's awesome. And he uses Habakkuk, that the righteous will live by faithfulness to God, to set the whole thing Habakkuk tries to capture and tries to point out that life is always lived best. It is at its most full, it is most successful, it is most rewarding. When you both believe in eternal God who loves you and His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for you, and you behave in a way that is is, is conducive with what God desires for you, that you love and you forgive, That you both believe and behave based on God. You didn't know all that was in that one little verse, did you? The righteous will live by faith and faithfulness to God. I've been working on this and and thinking about all of this and and, uh, spending time in Scripture and praying over this, and uh, I kept wrestling, though, like, okay, why does this matter, though? Like, okay, I could see, like, if I believe God and I base my behavior on Him, that should make a difference in my life, right? I've got three stories to tell you, and they're too good, so i got to spend time. At first, I was only going to tell one, but they're too good, okay? Okay, first story. I'm out in the community, and I'm working on this sermon, and I go to the library, I like to go out and I like to, I like to sit, in, you know, with normal people and just sit. And right in the midst of a normal space, I get, you know, it's just different, right? So I'm sitting there in the library and I'm, I'm, I'm diving into this and I've got my Bible spread out and I've got my, you know, my notes and I've got my little apple and I'm, right, typing away and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like in the zone and I'm getting into Hebrew and I'm like pulling in from Romans. And I'm looking at Abraham and I'm doing like all this cool stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm in the library. All of a sudden, I hear this really loud voice. Now, how many of you have ever been in a library before? Is it supposed to be noisy in a library? No, it's supposed to be dead silent. And so for me to be sitting there working away, I got my little earbuds in and everything, I hear this really loud, harsh voice. And I look up because I'm so startled. I look up. There's no one in the library except for me at my little table. And then right in front of my table, these two ladies had come and sat down. There's nobody else in the whole library except for me and these two ladies who had sat down. And they're sitting across from one another. And the first lady who's sitting down, she has her back to me, is uh, uh, mature age. She's probably in her 80s, I'd have to guess. She's probably in her 80s. And uh, uh, we'll call her grandma. Okay? So grandma is there. Across from her is her daughter. We'll call her mom. Because they are both talking about the granddaughter. So you have grandma and mom who are both talking about a granddaughter who's not physically present. Okay? Just to set the stage for you. And I'm sitting there, and and, and I was so startled, I think, because I heard such a loud voice, and it was so harsh, and it used an expletive. This sweet little old lady. I had no idea. I'm not comfortable saying it here. <laughs> but she said something really harsh and mean. And I looked up, and I'm like, whoa, right? And, 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 and I began so to, I couldn't, I couldn't help it, I'm sorry. I wasn't eavesdropping. There's no noise in the library, right? So I can't help but not hear what's going on here. And so I began to listen to these two women as they went back and forth, fighting, fighting, over the granddaughter, the elderly lady she grandma, she was very harsh if I had to describe her, harsh in her tone, she used language that I would not be comfortable using. Uh, mean she was mean to her own daughter, she was genuinely mean. and, and conversely, the daughter, the mom. Mom was being manipulative back at Grandma over money. Ugh. People are so messed up when it comes to money. We so don't get how to use our resources. We don't know how to behave with our resources. But she was manipulating the grandma so that the grandma would help bail out the granddaughter. In in because the granddaughter did not have a job, did not have a husband, had, was floating multiple children, taking care of multiple children and was, there's a lot of brokenness. We'll just end it there. I learned very quickly that in this relationship between mother and granddaughter, and even with an unseen uh, granddaughter who's not there, but with these lives of these three women, there is such brokenness present. And my heart was really heavy. And something fascinating happened. They started to talk about church. Now normally, I'm a pastor. I got little antennas up all the time. Everywhere I go, I got antenna up, right? And I'm listening for certain words. And so they start talking about church. And now I'm like, oh, what are they going to say about church? It became evident to me that if you would walk up to these women and say, do you believe? They'd say, yeah, we believe. But according to Habakkuk, the righteous will live not only by faith, but also by faithful by belief and behavior and here these, these two women are disconnected from faith and faithfulness where if you ask them we believe, yes we believe but boy, there was not the love and the care and the tenderness and the forgiveness that is part of the Christian life part of the Christian walk They understood the belief portion, but they couldn't get down the behavior portion. And as a result, I could see in front of me their relationship deteriorating, breaking down as I sat there. And my heart was heavy. I wanted to go up to him and say, the righteous live by faith, by faithfulness. And your life could be so much better if you not only believed, but you began to behave in a way that reflects your Heavenly Father, you would find healing between one another and healing with the other who's not present. I couldn't take it anymore. I was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable, I actually got up and left. I got up and left, and I went to a coffee shop, and I sat down, and I got my big old honking coffee, and I'm like, okay cool, we just got to pray over these women. So I'm praying over these women, who I just, just you know, I'm praying over them and praying over them praying over them. And then I'm like, okay, it's time to refocus. Let's get back into the sermon. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faithfulness. So I'm diving into the sermon again. And uh, uh, I told you I have antennas up at all time. You can't see them, but they're very sensitive. And I heard the word, there's certain words that we perk up on. Spiritual is one of them. I heard the sentence, I'm spiritual. And immediately, I had just gotten down in, and I'm like, where'd that come from? You know? Well, there's a guy making coffee. He's the only guy in the place. And it's like 2.30 in the afternoon. No one's at a coffee shop at 2.30 in the afternoon. And there's these two women who are younger, 20s or so, sitting at t- sitting across from each other at a table. And uh, so, process of elimination. I don't think the guys over there are just like, I'm spiritual making coffee. So, I, I kind of direct my attention a little bit toward, toward the two women in the corner And uh, And the young lady Who's sitting across from, from the other one the, the first young lady Starts talking saying hey, I'm, I'm spiritual and, and, and you know I wrote it down She said this She said uh, I'm spiritual Isn't that enough I mean, what really counts, what really matters is loving people and random acts of kindness anyway, isn't it? That's what counts. Loving people and random acts of kindness, that's what really counts. And uh, I was kind of listening to this. And then she said she was having trouble with her boyfriend. She was having trouble with her boyfriend because her boyfriend and her didn't believe the same thing. And she was saying, I'm spiritual, and, I, and you know what really matters, though, is that I love people. Isn't that enough for him? Isn't that, isn't that enough for him? Why doesn't he love me back the way that he should? How come when I'm with him, I don't feel joy, and I don't feel, feel happiness? And, and how come I don't feel like a whole person? And I wanted to stand up and I wanted to shout out Habakkuk. The reason is because you're chasing after a guy for, some, for a relationship that belongs with a heavenly father. And you can't get from another person what you're trying to get from him. He won't be able to give you...